Hi, it's Mickey Dolans here. You're listening to Inspirato Projecto. Wowzers, wowzers. What you're about to hear here is an interview with Alan Bernstein from the documentary When We Went Mad. And it's, uh, it's an upcoming documentary. He raised the money on Kickstarter to put together the story of Mad Magazine. He was able to get a hold of these writers and artists before they passed on and to be able to hear their story of working for Mad Magazine. So he's now getting some, uh, trying to get some, uh, well, you'll hear about it in the interview. You'll hear about it in the interview. I'm so excited about this because on April 9th, this is so sad, Mort Drucker, uh, one of my favorite artists, characterists from Mad Magazine, he passed on and... That night, I decided to do my first live stream on Instagram. My first Instagram live stream. So it was in tribute to Mort Drucker, Mad Magazine, and I just drew and drew, and I took suggestions from the audience, from the viewers, and I just improvised, you know, the, the classic ensemble spirit of yes and. I just I just kept adding whatever they 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 asked me to. A lot of things on there I'd never drawn before, but I got to tell you, it's kicked me in a shape, kicked me in a shape in a drawing again. And uh, as, as a result of that, I went down this rabbit hole of looking for different interviews with Mad Magazine artists and writers. And I, through that, I ended up coming across an interview with Alan about his movie, that, which then led me to the Kickstarter page, which then led me to the website, which then led me to the Facebook page. And... Uh, he agreed to do this interview with me. So, uh, without further ado, and without further ado, a word from our sponsors, and then of course, we will get on to the interview with Alan Bernstein. Gosh, I'm so excited. Cannot wait to share this with you guys. Here's your fun fact. David Lynch was offered the chance to direct Fast Times at Ridgemont High in 1982, but he turned it down, saying that the script was funny, but it just wasn't his thing. Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. Listen, I don't have much time, but do you feel like you're going out of your gourd? Are you, do you have the cabin fever? Have you run out of Netflix to watch? If, has the thought occurred, hey, you know what? I can make funny stuff. I've been watching TikTok. I've been watching all the social networks and seeing what kind of creativity is coming out. I could create that. Hey, you know what? I wish they made a podcast about this. Well, you know what? You can make your own podcast. Go to anchor.fm. Go to it, please, right now. Make your own podcast. It's the lazy person's way to make stuff. You can make little segments. Uh, you can put music on there, found sounds, babies laughing, neighbors throwing frisbees, uh, uh, your friends playing guitar. Ah, it's so good. Anchor.fm, please get this and find me, Inspirato Projecto. Let's be friends, okay? Anchor.fm. All right. Is this Alan Bernstein? It is indeed. Hello, hello, hello. Very cool. Dude, this is Kurt from Inspirato Projecto. Thank you so much for taking the time to be able to talk today, man. I'm so excited that I happen to come across any information concerning your documentary because I think I had sent you a message um, saying that for the longest time I'd been sitting there thinking, man, that'd be so great if someone made a mad a mad documentary and I saw an interview with you where you basically said the same thing and you just decided to take it upon yourself to, to, to be the guy. That, that's exactly how it went down. Uh, I just kept uh, pretty much waiting for other people to, to put a, that documentary together and uh, it just came to the point where we were starting to lose some of the uh, writers and artists and I thought well the time time is now so i just uh, kind of cobbled together some uh, some equipment and and uh, 
did my first interview with Al Feldstein. Wow. Now, what did was this? Were you able to catch Jack Davis before he died, or or, or was that one of the? Uh, was that well? I wasn't able to catch him after he died. No, actually, no. Yes, I was. I was able to catch him before he died. Yeah. Oh, you did. Oh, that's I did. Good. That's good. Who were who were some of the um, writers or uh, um, artists that 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 passed on before you were like, oh gosh, okay, you know what? We've got to hurry up and document this before the rest of these guys. You know. Well, before I started, the the the, the two big ones were uh, Dave Berg and Don Martin. Uh, well, and Harvey Kurtzman, obviously, but uh, um, it was it was pretty much Don Martin and Dave Berg that kind of convinced me, like we we got to get someone has to get started on this, dude. And, uh, yeah, I mean these guys are like they're they're living history books. These are guys who uh, you you you'd have to hear it straight from them, all the kinds of kinds of crazy hijinks you know that went on. How did who was the very first person that you interviewed, and how the heck did you even get a hold of them? Well, like uh, Al Feldstein was the first, <clears throat> and actually he was coming into town in the Detroit area, which is where I live. Uh, a a friend of mine who is also a mad fan was actually putting on an exhibit at Eastern Michigan University, showcasing uh, basically the origins of Alfred E. Newman. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of history behind that image, and and my friend. John uh, was putting together this exhibit and he brought Al Feldstein in to talk about it. And uh, as a side bonus, I was able to sit down with Al and, and interview him for what I had hoped and would hope to become uh, the documentary. So it was, it was very bare bones. It was, I just need to sit down. I need to get these questions in and we'll, we'll go from there. That's exciting. Cause you know, once you get the first person um, and especially if they got a good rapport with it, they had a good time telling their story. Uh, there's a very good chance that they end up telling one of the other people that and then, you know, they, it's kind of like a word of mouth type of thing. Did you notice that it was kind of like that for you? It happened on occasion. Yes, definitely. <clears throat> um, truthfully, for the most part, the people who I approached were were very accommodating and, and genuinely, at least they appeared to be genuinely interested in sitting down with me. Um, they wanted to tell their story and I wanted to hear it. And uh, the, the, the couple here and there who might have uh, had, had some red flags were assured down the line from previous interviews that, no, this, this guy's legitimate and uh, he's, he's, uh, he just wants to get the, the straight, straight story from you. So overall, I, I really didn't, as far as the actual mad, contributors, artists, writers, staff. I didn't have any issues at all in sitting down with them. Oh my God. And, uh, and that was terrific. It was great. That is so cool. Now, did you go out to the, before they closed up the office in New York, did you, did you go out there and interview any of them at the headquarters itself or? We did, let me think here. We did one, two, three, I believe I did four interviews in New York. The first interview, the first series of interviews in New York were at the uh, Society of Illustrators, which were which were terrific in letting us set up. And uh, we brought in about five or six uh, guys, usual gang of idiots, and interviewed yeah. them. And then, um, and that was the last series of interviews we did out of pocket. And then we were able to do this Kickstarter that. Uh, allowed us to continue and through that we were able to uh do another few trips to new york we actually did the other three interviews in the mad offices they set us up oh man and it, and i flew in as many and and traveled in as many uh artists and writers as i could to come together to the mad offices and which was which was cool unto itself Dude, i became, bet man that must have became like a reunion oh yeah it became like a reunion for them oh. so i I think they really enjoyed that and uh and then i actually the, the last interview i did was with about three or four days before their final day in new york so i, I, I went in one more time to get kind of a, a parting parting words from some of the guys oh man what what made them decide to to close shop out there in new york and move it out here to, to california uh it was strictly a dc comics 
decision. DC apparently had moved all of their other uh, publication from New York to Los Angeles about three years prior, and they they allowed Mad to stay in New York, and uh, eventually, I, I, they just reached the decision that they want to bring everyone into the fold, and so. So the decision was made to bring Mad to, New, uh, to Los Angeles. Gosh, man. I, you know, I, it's crazy because I've been going down a rabbit hole just seeing any sort of interviews that I can find with any of the um, writers or artists or, you know, just, just anything just to get some sort of idea as to, um, you know, if, if the brains behind the operation were just as zany as you read in the magazine. And sure enough, these guys, you could tell that they, they're, they're like Monty Python, it seems. Like they're just like really riffing off each other and they really appreciate each other's company. Did you did you feel that kind of vibe when when these guys were, were talking about each other and when you just saw them, you know, all, all, all congregated together there, for instance, at the, at, the, uh, at the office? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, these, these, these folks are some of the best humorists, writers, and, and artists of not only their time, but, but, of, but of all time, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, you, get them, you get them in a room, you get, you get them comfortable, and uh, you let them tell their stories, and, and uh, you can't help but at times just sit back and, and go, yep, that's, this, is, this is why Mad is what it is. Oh my gosh. You know, it's so crazy because when I see the when I see the video footage of William Gaines and just how how jolly of a sort of a Santa Claus of, of the Mad Magazine office he was, he just seemed like such a such a funny little like giggly kid in the man's body. And like when you got someone at the top like that, a leader who is that uh, joyful and open to to humor like that, you just know that everyone else who's working there is going to have an even greater time. Well, certainly, and and. Not, not to, not to correct you, but to add to the the element of, of Bill Gaines, as I, as I learned, I, I had the, the, the luck, the pleasure of meeting him once, but it was as wow. a fan, and it was a, it was a quick pop into the office and and say hello, and he was very accommodating, and and uh, you know he was he was sharing some time with a Mad fan, and and so that was my experience. But as far as the the, the Bill Gaines uh, icon, he. For, for as jolly and, and as vivacious and love of humor as he was, as I have come to learn, he was he could also be a, a, a big grouch. Oh, as uh, Sergio Aragones described him as a as a grouchy Santa Claus. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. So, you know, they the, the stories that they would tell. You know, one minute he would be uh, storming through the offices with a with a. Uh, an invoice for 32 cents for a phone call, long distance phone call, trying to track down who made the call. And then later on that afternoon, he'd take everyone out to lunch and, and drop, you know, hundreds of dollars on, on just this uh, most uh, decadent meal. So he, I think, I think he loved the image that, w- that he portrayed and, uh, and, and a good deal of it wasn't portrayal. It was who he was. There was uh, to to circle back to something you said before about the origins of Alfred E. Newman. Um, Bill Gaines was talking about in an interview where that image, and you know, correct me if if or please add on to it, whatever the heck else you you know about this. But he was saying that it came from a dentist ad, and I I found it because I was I had to rewind him, you know, in this interview to find out what exactly he he said some kind of he, he said the name of the company. So I I looked it up, and sure enough, there it was. There was the you know, I saw the inspiration behind it on some dentist, uh, for some dentist ad. What, what else do you know concerning that story? Well, I find it, fa- I find his story, I find the Alfred E. Newman story fascinating um, because it isn't definitive. Uh, there, are, there are different theories. Uh, the theory that my friend John came up with, and, and it, it takes a very scholarly term, turn, which is something that you don't, necessarily want to apply to mad but but when it comes to alfred he he did some serious research and his his take on it and i i tend to subscribe fully to it is that the image morphed over time it originated as a as an irish 
kind of image and over time that image morphed into an anti-Irish immigrant type satire type cartoon caricature uh, there there are there are images out there in the late in the 1860s 1870s where Irish immigrants are pouring into America and the this the satirical articles or, or uh, cartoons of that time kind of portrayed them in, in very uh, very unflattering images and and within them you can see traces of the Alfred E. Newman face and over time I the, the, as as this theory goes the image kind of morphed where it became more about uh, portraying the Irish as kind of uh, uh, lazy drunks and the image went from this kind of uh, ape-like face to more of a jolly you know more more of just of a, of a happy-go-lucky drunk and then somewhere along the line it was picked up in uh, advertising and the the dentist the painless dentistry one you saw mm -hmm. was one of them there there's an image which as far as i'm concerned it's a, you know it's a spot on alfred and it's promoting um promoting basically uh, a a, a cocaine-based medicine um he was this, this image was adopted for like stage plays it and uh it, it kind of it kind of shed the 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 worthless uh drunk image and kind of adopted more, a more youthful playful image they lost he lost the front tooth and uh he became younger and more playful and um and that sort of morphed into a couple different iterations it was actually the image just really just prior to it being applied to mad was was seen in uh anti uh fdr propaganda um and then eventually uh harvey kurtzman caught caught an image of this this alpha image on a postcard hanging in uh, a publisher's uh, on his billboard or I guess uh, you know in, uh, by his desk and he thought oh, that's kind of a funny face I'll just start throwing it in the issue I don't know that if he had any plans for it or not but he just thought it was a funny face and between him and then when Al Feldstein finally took over mad he kind of returned to it thinking that uh, uh, you know, Playboy has their their logo with the bunny. Uh, RCA Victor has the dog. He thought Mad needed a logo as well, and and uh, they uh, kind of basically stuck with that Alfred image. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. That's incredible, man. Yeah, I, it's so funny I, when I think it's a I think it's a fascinating story on so many levels. Strict, especially you know. You have it on a Mad Magazine level, a fan level, but but I also I also am fascinated with it as a, as an American uh, story of of transformation of you know kind of talking about the 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 birth of this where this country was at the, at the you know a few decades prior to the turn of the the century and. And, and how things changed, how things adapted, how things became more commercial. I mean, um, that's exactly what this Alfred image became. It, you know, what, what was once very derogatory turned into a commercial selling point. And uh, I find that I find that fascinating unto itself. It's interesting. Like the very symbol for Mad. Like here, here is this whole story where he's his, you know, his image has morphed throughout the years, throughout the, you know, throughout the, who knows how long like you're saying return of the century and then mad itself has been known for morphing along with what's going on with the culture right now you know always just with their finger on the pulse of um pointing out what's happening uh in society and and uh really it kind of reminds me of like um 
my sister and I were just watching the movie They Live. She saw it for the first time, as far as I know. Okay. And, you know, there's that part, you know, they put on the sunglasses and it says, obey, consume, have babies, you know, and then he takes off sunglasses and it's just a regular poster, you know, billboard. Sure. And that's what it feels like with reading Mad. It feels like it's one of those things where they're actually showing you, they're, they're pulling back behind the curtain and going, look, this is what's really going on with celebrities. This is what's really going on with the politics. This is what's really going on with, you know, with the movies. And, and kind of, you know, helping you kind of dissolve that pretense. And, and that's really, I mean, that's, that is the, the, the history of satire in a nutshell. It, uh, it, it, the concept of satire has been around for ages, for as long as there have been soapboxes for kings and, and despots to stand on. There's been someone out there willing to try to expose them for who they are. And, you know, Mad, in its iteration of satire, I, you know, it, it, it came around at the right time, at the right moment. And it just so happened to have the very best people to do it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a heck of a way to, to have things fall in place for you. Mm-hmm. I saw in your interview that you actually, you still have the original Mad Magazine that you the very first one that you ever got uh, yes i do yeah yeah one of the one of the uh one of the the side uh stories of of this whole thing is that yeah i am a fan and i am a collector and uh when it comes to mad things items garbage if you will i i'm a hoarder in that that department so yeah i've i've got the first issue that i that i purchased uh when i was six and wow. I hadn't, yeah, I had no, well, you know, it was, it was, uh, my mom purchased it for me. We, uh, we were, uh, we were in California visiting relatives and we popped into a drugstore just to get a couple things. And, you know, I was, Hey, can I get a, something, a coloring book, something to, you know, pass the time. And I saw this, I saw Matt on the stand. I had oh no idea God. what it was. And I'm like, wow, man. This looks, this looks, it doesn't look like a coloring book, but it looks fun. Wow. It's got cartoons in it. Let's give it a shot. Oh so. my gosh. It's amazing. You were six years old reading Mad Magazine. Like what, a, what a crazy education in the world for such a young, you know, young fella. Like you probably got more education in that one magazine than you did through most of the schooling you were receiving at that point. I, I would, I, tongue in cheek, I, yes, I wouldn't go that far, truthfully, but there's 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 absolutely no denying that reading being a mad reader exposes you to to far more things happening in the world than you than you would if you were not a mad reader and uh i consider that to be a, a, an incredible bonus uh oh man on top of just the the humor factor and 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 especially when you're six years old and reading something like that and it, it not only shapes your sense of humor, yeah, it teaches you what you, lets you learn about what you think is funny, but, but to, to have such exposure of what's going on in the world and what's, what I found, and I'm not, I'm, I'm one of many, many, many people who would say this is that reading mad forces you, if you're young enough, it forces you to ask the questions, who are these people that are being being uh, uh, poked fun at. What does yeah. all this mean? And if you're curious enough and you ask the right people, your parents, whomever, uh, what the, who are these people? You, you, you've got an inside track to what's happening. And, and I, I, you can't replace that. You can't replace that. It's a certain, it's so funny because so many times they're making fun of themselves as you know the usual gang of idiots oh this is you know you could use this this magazine for fish wrap you know they're always kind of like jokingly kind of kind of tearing themselves down but what's so interesting is it's it's such a high level of humor it is such a like it, it, they got wordplay in there there's puns it teaches you about finding easter eggs with sergio aragoni's little tiny little tiny dudes in the margins mm -hmm. um you know if if it wasn't for that stuff, gosh, I got to say, it, it inspired me to want to draw more. Um, my friends and I would bring our Mad Magazines to school and we would, you know, we'd crack up over, you know, what, what we were uh, reading about. And, and it just, it felt like sort of like this inside world that not many other kids our age were, were even aware of uh, at that point. Um, 
it seemed like they were just not aware of it. Like, do do you feel uh, as you were reading it that you were kind of on an inside club of sorts? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And it and it depends on what the the club is. And and to kind of go back to what you were saying uh, in describing Mad, it, it it Mad was many things, and I think that's truly one of the genius things about Mad is that is that it it wasn't it wasn't just a political satire it wasn't just the insanity of a don martin joke it wasn't the the uh silliness of a mad movie satire it was all of those things every single issue had had all of that going on in 48 pages and if you had any sense of humor whatsoever you would find something in it that uh that grabbed you you know the fold-in the genius of the fold-in yes to to play around with that and 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 realize oh wait the next issue is going to have this as well um you know spy versus spy you 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 may you you know me as a six-year-old i'm just looking at it as two two uh people or whatever they were and and (laughs) endless battle against each other but what what you don't realize is that you're 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 getting a taste of the cold war you're right it, and i mean that again that is that that was the genius of mad is that it it didn't it was all things to all humor and i mean that's that's so great about it it's so great about it absolutely now so how many okay because you're Jeez, I'm just thinking you, you probably captured so many, like hundreds of hours of inter- interviews with these guys that it, it could very well turn into a series, you know, whether it's a Netflix series or some kind of, um, you know, Hulu or something like that. I mean, do, do you would you say that you got, you know, enough to make uh, to, to make a series? I uh, from a from a, a mad died in the wolf fan. I could listen to these guys talk all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that the majority of the Netflix viewership out there needs a, a six-part uh, series on Mad Magazine. They've got plenty of uh, uh, Tiger King to satisfy them for that. But there's definitely an hour-and-a-half film, hour-and-a-half feature that that uh, is what we're doing that tries to tell the mad story from the people who who created it but also to celebrate it and and how it influenced so many so that's that's what we're doing but uh we do have we do have a a heck of a lot of footage with the guys how did you figure out i mean how did you even figure out where where to even start with the direction and in whittling it down to you know, a certain pathway or a certain story. How, how, how'd you even do that? Well, from my perspective, one of the things I really wanted to do with the documentary was um, there have been plenty of news segments on the history of MAD or, or, or a, a moment of time with MAD, you know, 60 Minutes interviewed right. them in 1987. They've, they've had countless moments of that of those of that ilk where they would uh get five ten minutes to to talk about mad and what it was and what it is and i never found that satisfying i wanted to hear the whole story and and as much as i love hearing from the staff tell their story i wanted to hear from the other artists and writers who i've whose names i've known since i was six years old in reading the the, the pages I wanted to hear them talk about their their time at Mad, and that was so. So first of all, I wanted to tell the Mad story, and I wanted to take take my time doing it. Um, the story is a lot more than than uh, than just uh, these these artists and writers and a, a crazy publisher who likes to uh, poke fun at authority there's there's a bigger story than that and that's that was the first and foremost thing i wanted to do was tell the story in a broad sense um the second thing to kind of go back is is i i wanted it to be told by 
the people involved and like I said from the people who I haven't heard from before and that's why we have far more interviews than I, I think an average documentary would would probably want to get but um, it was it was just imperative that I get to hear from as many of these people as I could because they all have their own story and I think that every one of their stories is important so I don't know if that kind of answers your question on that but um, so first and foremost I wanted to tell the history of Matt mm-hmm. within that I want to explore its influence and through that we're trying we're, we're interviewing celebrities we're interviewing people who grew up reading mad and can attest to its importance in their formative years and perhaps even their you know their their current lives um and there's no better way to get the story from the the man on the street if you will than to have get uh, uh people in the spotlight celebrities who who can tell their their story about Matt. And so that's what we're working on right now is landing some more celebrity interviews. Well, that's great. Um, I had the, the pleasure of meeting uh, Sergio at one of the, I think it was a Chicago Comic Con. It was just really cool to like, just because he was just such any of those guys with Mad Magazine, just such huge celebrities in my eyes. And um, it, just the influence that they've had on, on my mind. It was just so great to see him in person. And yeah. Yeah, um, and they are so approachable. They are so friendly. They are. They are. Uh, they truly appreciate you. You know that they've had a, you know, an endless stream of people coming up to them saying, "You changed my life. You taught me how to laugh. This, you taught. You gave me you, a reason to draw." You know they've heard those stories countless times, and yet when you meet them they love to hear you tell that story they uh they 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 like to they like to show off what they can do and uh it's great it's great when you get a chance to meet them i just remember when grew the wanderer came out and just how cool that was just to wrap my brain around that idea that here was this artist from mad magazine who actually had his own comic and i I just had to keep pinching myself going, wow, this guy actually has his own comic. And it's just, it was just as funny, you know, as any of this stuff that would be in uh, mad magazine. And, um, I'd always get a kick out of that when I, I'd see, you know, for instance, uh, a Mort Drucker, uh, caricature of, you know, maybe he did like a, a record album or something, uh, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you definitely see his distinctive style out there in the world and you go, Oh my God, those, wow. Mort Drucker, they know who he is, you know? Cause like I said, it felt like mad was such a, like a, a, a club to me. I, it didn't seem like too many other people out there in the world really knew about it. And so when I would see that other people would, you know, sort of embrace those guys, it was just, it was just so exciting. It was like seeing one of your friends do really well, you know, hit a home run out in the field or something. Yeah, and I think part of the reason with that is is in in many other uh, pub, uh, publishing forms, you know, comic books especially, you you get you get a lot of artists and writers who don't do one project. You, you'll I'm not a, I'm not a big uh, comic book reader. I was strictly mad growing up, but you know it, it was it wasn't uncommon for comic book artists to work on more than one project at a time, I imagine, or, or to cross over. With MAD during its heyday, uh, Al Feldstein liked to keep a tight ship as far as his stable of artists and writers. And Bill Gaines did especially as well. And that meant that he, they did not, he, Bill, I think more so, did not appreciate his artists and writers uh, really venturing out. I think the writers he, he was actually okay with because a lot of them went on to bigger things than Mad. But but a lot of the artists back in the day, he really wanted to keep them close to the vest and, and strictly working for Mad. And therefore, when you did see, if you weren't a Mad reader, you wouldn't be exposed to those people as much. But mm. but the, on those those occasions when Jack Davis would do a movie poster or more Drucker would do a, an album cover yeah and or or Sergio would do Gru suddenly you've got this outlet 
where non-mad readers can discover them and go, oh, oh, these guys, these guys are really good, and I've been missing out on this. Yeah, so I see what you're saying. <laughs> oh man, it, like there, there was about a, I think it was about a decade ago. I went to the first time in New York with my buddy, and on my list, of course, was to visit the Mad Magazine office. And I just thought it was so cool that you could see the reflection of the uh, late night with David Letterman uh, in the, you know, in the fl- reflection of the building. And it's like, dude, it's right across the street. And so exactly, um, they yeah. Allowed, it was just the coolest, and so they let me up. They let me upstairs and um, into the offices, and they showed me that memorabilia cabinet and the big golden Alfred e. Newman statue, and they showed mm-hmm. me around the offices, and, and I was so and, and there was just one room that just had a whole bunch of just Mad magazines just in it. It was just boxes and boxes, and, and so they gave me a tour of this place, and they're like, "Yeah, it's not very exciting in here." And I go, "So, you know, because I'm I'm trying to picture my brain, you know, like I'm thinking." It's going to be like a madhouse in there. You know, all these all these artists are going to be in there. There are going to be people running through the hallways. There's going to be, you know, people shouting out ideas to the other guy. And he's drawing it. And which I'm sure it was back back in the olden days. But when I went in there, they were just like, oh, yeah, the, the artists, you know, they send us their stuff. And then we we kind of put things together in the in, in our you know, I don't know, whatever programs they used to put together the magazine. But it was cool because they, they ended up giving me some Christmas ornaments from their Mad Magazine uh, holiday party. So that was really cool. That's like, awesome. Go, go home with that's these. That's, that's terrific. And that's that's the cool thing is, 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 I mean, the Mad offices are a working office. Their job is to put out a magazine, uh, you know, be it, be it eight times a year, 12 times a year, whatever it was at the time. But, uh, you know, you you got to believe that the time magazine offices weren't set up for the time magazine fan to come in and, and can I get a tour of this place? And, right. you know, uh, uh, mad for being a relatively small operation in terms of size of staff. Um, and like, in like I said, they were, they were a working office. They, they, they had a job to do. And yet, they it became it became a uh, a trip to mecca for for some of the fans me mm-hmm. included to to pop in and they knew it and and they welcomed it and and their their prior offices to the one to the office that you visited uh was was much more uh compact and uh it was not in any way designed to be a an office where people come in and get tours that that didn't stop them they always were always welcome to giving giving up people a, a show of the place but when they moved when dc moved them to uh to uh, broadway where you went you can tell that they wanted to spiffy it up and open it up more and and mm. uh, make it make it more visually uh enticing to not only the the staff working there i'm sure they enjoyed the view but it became a little more, you know, fun for the fan to come over and, and, and get the tour. So when so, you yeah. when you visited the office, did you you visited? I didn't even I wasn't even aware that they moved to. Were they on Madison Avenue? Is it was that was that their original? There there they've had they've had uh, they've had a handful of locations. Oh, uh, they originally started in on Lafayette, uh, uh, and, uh, south of uh times square lower manhattan if you will um that's where they started that's where bill started when with uh the ec comics and over a a couple moves they eventually ended up at 485 madison and is that the one where you visited is that where you met bill gaines that's where i met bill gaines yes and and the rumor they the rumor then it's probably true that one of the reasons that bill chose that office to move to is because it's one of the few offices a few buildings that actually has a 13th floor i guess i love a, it yeah it's a common practice for for buildings at the time to skip the number 13 and go from 12 to 14 out of that you know like apparently that i, I guess that bad luck factor oh, but right right 485 madison had a 13th floor and bill loved it and that's where the offices were on the 13th floor if I remember correctly. So. so when you when you went in there and you popped in there and you said hi to them, what what, what kind of vibe did you get when you're in that office with those guys? I mean, were they all were they? Because in my brain, I'm I'm picturing that, you know, the writers and the and, and 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 the artists are like in the same room together and they're brainstorming on ideas and 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 artists are drawing, you know, almost as soon as the guys are 
brainstorming the ideas and I mean what how close to that vision was was that like that you noticed so the majority of heard? the majority is as I as I uh, gather the majority of the time at whatever office mad was at artists would work at home and they would come in and drop off their work and 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 go over uh go over it with whoever be it Harvey or Al Feldstein uh and or Nick Meglin and um and then you know they I don't know they could stick around and make corrections they could hang out and and, and spitball new ideas they could pitch ideas the writers would come in and pitch um but the most for the most part I think as far as artists go they would work at home oh um, okay. yeah they there are times where they would come in and, and, and use the space to work on things, but I don't think it was ever to to do a complete story or anything like that. Um, so when I visited the offices, and it was a couple times, um, none of the artists were there. There were there were a couple writers and and the, and the staff. And uh, uh, as as cool as it would have been to uh, bump into Al Jaffe, just kind of doing his thing, I was I was too. I was too busy uh, kind of riding the high of just being in the office itself and, yeah. and, and chatting with uh, Bill Gaines and Dick DiBartolo and, and getting cussed out at, by Nick Meglin and ignored by Lenny Brunner. So yeah, it was great. So what, what um, did, did the artists hang out? Like, did they, did they all happen to know each other? I know, you know, sometimes people are working the same job, but they don't really have a rapport with each other or, or get a chance to really hang out. Well, well, Bill Gaines made it a policy, and I don't know if it's common among other things. I'm sure, you know, it's kind of like other offices where he would hold parties. He would have Christmas parties. He would have dinner parties and invite the artists and their, their spouse over. But the, 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 the famous thing that Gaines was, was noted for was um, each year he would take the the staff and the freelance staff on these extravagant vacations as a thank you as a means to bring the bring the people together to get a chance to know each other and he would he would uh, fly them to all these exotic locations throughout the world 10 day excursions sometimes longer excursions and uh, it was it was uh, just an insane way of, of showing appreciation Man. for the work that they did. Yeah. This so, is so cool. These, There's so many are, stories the, this, in there. The, this, the, 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 the mad story is, I, 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 I know I'm jaded because I am obsessed with, with the, the magazine and the story itself, but I, I just, I find the, the story behind the scenes to be so fascinating to be so interesting to have this this publisher who who did what he wanted and wasn't ever really challenged over it he had to he had to fight for his his vision on occasion here or there some some rather big fights but overall he ran the company the way he wanted to and and one of the ways he wanted to run it was to take these people on these trips. And basically, it was a great way for him to write it all off as a business expense so he can eat in the great restaurants of the world. So what better way than, than to take everyone, all of his all of his uh, employees and freelance staff with him along? You know, it's so interesting. I do remember seeing the story in one of them where they, they had one subscriber out in like Zimbabwe or something, and they all decided to go out there to beg him. He, he stopped being a subscriber. I guess he ended his subscription. They all decided to go out there and, and to beg him to, to, to resubscribe to the magazine. And then mm-hmm. I guess one of his friends ended up subscribing. So they're like, oh, now we got two subscribers out in Zimbabwe. What is that like? A, I don't even know if it was Zimbabwe or not, but it, it was like, it sounded like it was far away places. It was, it was Haiti. And if I remember, it was the very first trip that Bill took the oh, crew on. Incredible. And, and, and I'm sure at some point the, the story becomes more legend than, than fact, but, uh-huh. but I don't know the, the fact of it. So I'm going with the legend and the legend has it that, that when they got to Haiti, he kind of, uh, Bill kind of, uh, 
announced to the guys, hey, by the way, we have one subscriber in, in Haiti and the subscription ran out and he hasn't renewed yet. So let's go to the house oh and my uh, knock on the door. God. See, that in so, itself would just be such a great to hear that from all the perspectives of the people who are there. I swear, man, this this, you know, this really actually would work great as a series. And I, th- I think that that people would, you know, lean in and, and, and want to hear these crazy stories. Just imagine how many Mad Magazine fans are out there that we just don't even know about, you know, um, that would just love to have something like this or like a three part movie or um I mean, there are so many stories within each story. Just e- even each excursion could be its own crazy, you know, its own crazy uh, box that you unpack. We are, okay, so let's hear about this. I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. I do not disagree with you one bit. I, uh, I would love to see that. <laughs> oh, my God. You've got so much great information. So, so many hours um, that, that you've recorded of these guys. I mean... It, it's it's such a crazy thing because like how do you it must be a crazy uh careful blend of well first of all you know you, you know throwing throwing the bit uh the bits of the history of alfred e newman in, in there um um the the way in which mad magazine was formed because of the the comics code and and so they're like well the way we get around that is making a magazine so that we don't have to <laughs> we don't have to abide by the comics code and then you got the whole idea of them going on these excursions and then you got um um just just the crazy behind the scenes, you know, of them going to movie theaters and, and laughing their ass off and going, Oh, I know how we're going to parody that. And like, geez, I got to hand it to you to, to be able to go through so many of those guys that you, that you interviewed and, and to be that, um, diligent and in, in finding a way to whittle it down to find those stories, because you've got so much information to go through. Yeah, you're yeah, you're right. And and one of my biggest challenges and I I think for the most part I did a really pretty good job of of uh keeping myself aware of it was was not to to, to try not to get stuck in the weeds too much. Mm-hmm. Uh because because I am the fan that I am, I find the stories that other people probably do not care the least about. I find them to be fascinating, and I, I had to do my best to avoid the the uh, Chris Farley. Uh, you know, you remember that time? Yeah, when, yeah. Uh, you know, when when you did that, that was cool. No, yeah. I, I I I had to do my best to tell the broad story and and get enough of the the minutia in without getting lost in the minutia mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. well i've been uh, thinking I think for the most part of succeeding so oh dude yeah and you know what's so interesting there's there's a really good um there's a documentary all about national lampoon and if you haven't seen oh, it, yeah. it's so beautiful and uh, just that that kind of reminds me of like what you're doing here with mad magazine where it's showing all the behind this you know all that stuff all the behind the scenes and the the evolution of that and how uh, national lampoon started as as you know in the heart the harvard lampoon then they made it a magazine and then of course then they got into the uh national lampoon radio hour and and, and they just kept expanding it you know getting into movies why do you suppose that mad well now i'm gonna well first i'll ask the question then i realize the blanks i need to fill in here why do you suppose mad didn't dive more into making more mad movies now i know there i know there's a mad movie well sort of a mad movie called up up the academy or i don't know something like that mm-hmm. and then it's called um, up the academy yeah and then they did a uh, monster party which was like a, a a stop motion thing they, they based on no nope, that is not the, uh, I, I hate to correct you on that but that is not related to mad there are people who worked for mad that were involved in the project gotcha. that is not an official mad so, uh production so did you ask did you were, did you ask them any of those or did, did they let you know, like say why they didn't want to get into uh i mean heck they had plenty of talent why they didn't want to get into producing movies or anything like that i i did i did and the general answer that i came away with uh it it it, it kind of a kind of a buzzkill kind of a letdown is essentially that bill gaines for as much as he loved mad uh was a generally lazy kind of guy mm. and he didn't want any more work than he already had and he was perfectly fine putting out his magazine and he had 
one thing he he truly did not have any interest in was marketing mad in other forms with uh, toys and gimmicks and things. And part of part of his reason was that he hated, at least the way he put it, he hated to see kids have to spend their money on on other junk. Um, but I think I think that was it for the most part. You know, uh, the the mad movie that came about, I think Warner Brothers who ultimately own, uh, had ownership of mad at the time came to mad and said you know we we you know animal house has been a ridiculous success mm -hmm. national lampoon i think we want to do the same thing for mad mm -hmm. and and that's where uh up the academy came about i don't know that mad i don't i don't think anyone involved with mad itself had anything to do it's, with the movie you know, other it's than it's interesting you say that because i was looking at the credits and i'm like i don't see any familiar names yeah. in this thing and i don't know why they why they wouldn't include you know the, the masterminds the original masterminds um of the magazine itself you figure you'd, you'd be like okay we got all these great writers uh dick DiPartolo and all these other, all the other 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 dudes and like i'm so surprised that they didn't just bring any of those guys in to... i i i gotta i uh gotta believe that the the reason was basically warner brothers thought we're going to use the mad logo and imagery uh, and, and we're going to get Bill Gaines to sign off on it. And then we'll take it from there. We've you, you handle your magazine, your little magazine over there. We'll handle the big Hollywood movies. Right. And uh, we've got this. Don't worry about it. And I, have you ever seen up the Academy? Uh, no, but I've seen some trailers for it. And I've been thinking about watching it simply because that golden statue that I saw inside the mad magazine office, they, they had referenced they said, "Oh yeah, this was from a movie that we did," and I, and then it kind of went in there in one ear and out the other way back then. But then I recently mm -hmm. came back across that, and I go, "Oh my God, that's what that's from. That's from that movie." No, I haven't seen that movie yet. Yeah, it's an interesting movie in in truly how bad it is. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. It's and there there there's there's uh, again from as I understand it, there are a couple stories behind that. One of the one of the stars of the film was an actor named Rob Liebman. And uh, Ron Liebman, and uh, he's an Academy Award-winning actor, and and he pretty much kind of, as I, as the story goes, kind of disavowed that movie because it was so bad. He didn't want anything to do with it. Please take my name off of oh. it. Bill Gaines did the same exact thing. Oh. He ended up he ended up paying to have Mad's name oh. taken off the film. Whoa because uh he despised it so Whoa, much um, that's crazy it, it, and, I, and i don't know if, i don't know if you remember that this or not but the statue that you saw at the mad offices is alfred e newman kind of in this military yeah. gear, and he's standing on a giant kind of pedestal and, the, and at the bottom of the pedestal it reads mad magazine presents up the academy bill gaines went up to the statue and scraped off the p uh, so that it actually says mad magazine presents ah! up the account. oh my god that's brilliant oh my god yeah and that was that was bill himself who did wow that, so. resents that's good well you know it's so funny when yeah when mad tv came out it took me a while to actually realize that that was supposed to be sort of a tv version like a some sort of incarnation of the magazine it, it took a while for me to to finally for that to click in uh we're, were, were any of the original writers of Mad Magazine uh, involved with that TV show at all? Do you know? Again, no, not that I'm aware of. I, I don't believe uh, any of the any of the writers. There might there might have been, but but truthfully, I do not believe there were. I think it was all all done in L.A. Uh, again, using the Mad uh, imagery logo and Alfred um, to to put it together under the guise of Mad, but but it was its its own entity. What? I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I yeah. It was a pretty good show. I, you know, you could tell it was trying to compete with Saturday Night yeah. Live and, it, and uh, as well as kind of maintain a, a feel for the different departments of the magazine. And it had a, had a pretty good run. It had a nice long run. So. Yeah. And a lot of, lot of, uh, a lot of current talent uh, came out of that out of those casts. Gosh, man. I just would love... Keegan-Michael Key, terrific. Oh, yeah. Those guys were great. I I mean, I'm... Man, I, I, I would just love to... Like, I think with any of the... 
all the extra interviews and stuff that you have, if you can't find another place for it, I would say, you know, now that you've got the Anchor app, you know, see if see if you could, you know, make little 10 minute uh, episodes of, of some of the interviews that you weren't able to get in the movie. I mean, that would be pretty cool if it's like, OK, this, you know, today's episode, it, it's, it's a little 10 minute segment uh, that did not make it in the movie. And here you go. And I bet you you'd probably get a lot of people um wanting to tune tune into that because man uh, you got so much information and it deserves you know i i feel that that's those spirits deserve to be seen and or felt by by you know the 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 tr- the people who like to get into the weeds you know the people who like to get yeah. into the behind the scenes stuff well one of the one of the exciting things that we we did do is that we we uh we struck a deal with Chassis Media, which is run by Adam Carolla, the comedian Adam Carolla, and uh, they are going to, Chassis Media is going to finish the production that um, that I uh, basically ran out of money to do, so they were, they signed on to finish production and distribute the film, and they're, I, they're, they're excited about it, they understand the, the, importance of mad and the icon of mad and they see a terrific opportunity with this documentary and and uh depending on what we can do with this where where it goes like you said there we we do have we do have a lot of interviews uh maybe maybe they just end up on the blu-ray as as a bonus footage i don't know but the the stories are there and and uh it'd be cool to continue and to, and, and to tell more oh my gosh yeah to be able to hear it from those guys own words because like you're saying, there's like when I was looking online, I, I couldn't find uh, I made a playlist of any sort of Mad Magazine stuff that I came across. Um, mm-hmm. uh, little interviews with those guys here and there and uh, whether they were on talk shows or like you're saying, 60 Minutes that they were back there in the office. Uh, uh, and I just I wanted more, you know, I wanted to like I wanted to hear those guys talk about, you know, getting a kick out of reading one of dick's uh uh um you know parody songs or um stories for something and going oh i know exactly how i'm gonna draw that you know i i i love it i can see it right now in my brain how this is gonna how this is gonna be like to hear that process i get such a kick out of it i get such a kick out of the process and hearing those stories and uh that must have just been phenomenal for you to be able to sit in these rooms with these guys especially when you're in the mad office with a whole bunch of them and to get even a taste, to get a taste of what that must have been like back in the heyday. And here are all these zeitgeists just, just swimming around you. Yeah, yeah, it, it, was, it was like that. The interesting thing I did find, however, is when you are, my big takeaway from this documentary is that when you are interviewing the very people who were the creators of, of the, the subject of what you're doing, for the most part, they were involved in their craft. They were they were living their day to day. They were trying to earn a living, and they were uh, meeting deadlines. And they were brainstorming for the next project. And it you you see that in their interviews that that it's hard it's hard to get that sense of how important we think they are right from them right uh and that that you know that's also part of their 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 humility and their humbleness of being able to uh you know know their know where they fit in all this it's when you interview the people who were influenced by them the people whose lives were affected uh by reading mad and 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 knowing the people who were behind it that's that's when you get that that gushing that sense of holy moly you guys changed my life kind of feeling and and, uh, and that that was also one of the challenges in editing this documentary is is getting the best stories told from the best uh from from each artist and writer and and getting the best you know we have a lot of people telling the same stories it was a matter of getting the the best tell excuse me telling of that story uh to to cut together wow man so but but it was 
it was uh, for me. It was kid in the candy store to get to sit down with these guys, and and uh, I I did my very best not to play the fawning fan. I, I I wanted to keep it all business as much as possible to get get them to tell me their stories to, to be able to trust that I'm doing this with uh, the best of their intentions and uh or best keep keep their best interests in mind i should say and um and and so that's what i think i did well alan thank you so much we we only have a few minutes here before it hangs up on us i got basically an hour on on every you know for for anchor here but i i man this hour just flew by so fast thank you so much for for had a great time unpacking your imagination and your experience and you know, answering all my questions, and I'm sure there are questions I, I did, forgot to ask. But God, I just gotta say this: this was really, it was so enjoyable for me to, to, you know, for you to take me through this time travel <laughs> cruise. Thank you, thank you. Truthfully, it was the same way for me when interviewing these guys. Yeah, I tried to cram as many questions as I could in, and, and invariably, every single one of them, I'd shake their hands and say thank you. It was great. They'd walk out the door, and I'd go, Oh, yeah, I've got five yeah, more yeah. questions. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. So. Gosh, man. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, when I upload this, I'll let you know, and uh, it'll be available on probably like 30 different um, distribution, you know, podcast distribution apps and directories and stuff. That's yeah, fantastic. Thank you so Spotify much. Spotify and, and uh, iTunes and TuneIn and just, just a bunch of different places. So I'll be, I'll be promoting this, uh, you know, I'll be pro- promoting it like crazy because I'm just so excited to, to be able to have talked to you. So thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to me. It was a lot of fun. We're talking mad. How can absolutely, you go wrong? absolutely. All right, man. Well, you you have a you have a great day, and uh, and we'll talk again. This is Robert from Twin Peaks, and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto. Got a light.